0: Two weeks ago, we began trying to answer some of the toughest questions that life can throw at us. Already, we've given brief answers to two big questions. Does God exist? And why would a good God allow evil and suffering to exist? If you missed either of these messages, you can always watch them on YouTube through our website, newhope316.org. And if you still have questions about these answers, feel free to contact us uh, for more information. So before I begin uh, the message today, let me point out for you the connection card option that is given to people online, to viewers watching us online today. It's in the chat section on the right-hand side of your screen. If you want to comment on the sermon or maybe ask a follow-up question to the answers that are given, please fill out a connection card, and we will respond to you in a timely fashion. If you happen to be watching later on YouTube, uh, you can still do this. Just look to the link. Uh, To our connection card in the description area that's kind of below the video there. You'll find a place there to do that. So thank you for that, because we really want this this to be interactive. We'd like to know, uh, you know, if if there are further questions that you have in in some of these, or if you have comments that you'd like to share, either one is great. This morning, I want to address another big question that bothers a lot of people, including Christians. This question, too, deserves an answer. And the question is simply this, how can a loving God send people to hell for eternity? Now, hell is not a pleasant subject to talk about. We only joke about it because I think the subject makes us uncomfortable. So we make jokes about it as if we're somehow going to push off this pain or fear or anxiety we might have about the subject of hell. Some people object to the whole idea of hell which the Bible actually describes as a place of eternal punishment and separation from God. It's a, a horrible, horrible place. Nobody should go there, really. You know, nobody would desire to go there. Some say that hell is just an allegory. It illustrates something else. Or that it's an, kind of an idle threat, you know, like when a parent you know, is threatening their child with something they have no intention of doing. Or that it may not even be an eternal place of punishment at all. Uh, it's, it's uh, you're not going to last all of eternity. Yeah, it's there, but you know, it's only going to be a little while. And I wonder sometimes to myself if the concept of purgatory, you know, if purgatory is people go and they stay a certain number of years until they actually have the right to go on to heaven. Was that ever invented just because people couldn't stomach the idea of an eternal hell? You know, are we trying to figure out some steps in between that God never even spoke about? As I said, hell is not fun to talk about, but that's today's task. A few years ago, a prominent pastor named Rob Bell wrote a book called Love Wins. Even though Bell was a pastor and teacher of God's Word, he just couldn't imagine that God would actually decree that some people would spend eternity in hell. Rob Bell was preaching at a fast-growing church in Michigan at the time. He also had a large following nationally, But he took exception to what the Bible clearly says about hell. He said he was convinced that a loving God could not send people to hell for eternity. He said that because God wants everyone to be saved, God would give us all multiple opportunities to repent even after we die. Bell said that eventually everyone would end up in heaven with God because after all is said and done, love wins. Love triumphs. Unfortunately, in order to arrive at this conclusion, Rob Bell had to ignore what the Bible clearly says. How indeed can a loving God send people to hell for eternity? Does hell actually exist? Is it a place of eternal torment and pain? Now, Jesus spoke about heaven and hell quite often. He said hell is a literal place. The coming of the kingdom of God was the theme of Jesus' preaching everywhere he went. He was driven to announce the kingdom of God, that it was upon them, and they needed to do something. And when Jesus preached the kingdom of God, he issued a call for everyone to repent and to get their hearts right with God. Jesus spoke often about hell and described it as a place of torment and pain. Notice in Matthew 10, 28, Jesus said, Do not be afraid of those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Mark 9, 43. Jesus said, If your hand causes you to stumble, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life maimed than with two hands to go into hell where the fire never goes out. Jesus said, The kingdom of God is coming and its coming demands that a choice must be made between God and the world and between heaven and hell. Hell is every bit as real as heaven. The apostles Paul and John and Peter all wrote about hell as a real place of eternal punishment. And we must all make a choice, the choice between heaven and hell. Our choice is a real choice. Our choice is a fateful choice. So how can a loving God send people to hell for eternity? That's our question. And in order to answer a loaded question like this one, let's start by defining some terms and correcting a few assumptions that might be built into that question. What do we mean, first of all, by a loving God? Some people think of God as a kindly doting grandfather who tolerates anything we may choose to do. In this false view, God never holds anyone accountable for their actions even when they are wrong. They think He's too loving to do that. The Bible does say, in fact, that God is love. 1 John 4.16 says this, God is love. God is the very definition and embodiment of love. God cannot do anything that is unloving, but does real love allow us to do anything we may choose to do without consequences? I don't think so. Now, If you're a parent and you think that your love for your children should allow them to do whatever they want to do without any rules or limits, I think you're going to be very disappointed in how your kids turn out, don't you? The results of such love would be devastating. Loving someone doesn't mean that we have no principles, standards, values, or expectations. The fact that God is love simply means that He will do whatever is loving in every situation. Think about the nature of love itself. In order for love to be love, it must be chosen. That is, the object of our love must be free to love us in return or not. Love can't be forced. Love is not love. Unless it is voluntary. So this loving God that we are talking about gives us the freedom to choose how we will respond to his love. We are not robots. We have been given free will. God loves us and has the best design for our lives. He knows what he's doing. He knows what is best for us. But he doesn't force any of that on us. Because that would not be loving. He respects our autonomy. He doesn't force His godly ways upon us. But if we disobey and if we choose an ungodly path, there are consequences, serious consequences. This brings up another important factor that comes into play, God's justice. In addition to God's love, we need to talk about His justice. God is love, but it is also true that God is holy, God cannot be unloving and he cannot be unjust. God has decreed that every wrong or evil action must be punished. We always have the freedom to choose which path we will follow. But there are punishments or rewards for every action. We need to know that if we insist on disobeying God, there is a consequence that will follow. Unfortunately, upon our death. The consequences become permanent. C.S. Lewis summarized the finality of our choice for or against God in his classic work, The Great Divorce. He wrote this. He says, there are only two kinds of people in the end. Those who say to God, thy will be done. And those to whom God says in the end, thy will be done. All that are in hell, choose it, Lewis said. One final clarification is needed about our question, how can a loving God send people to hell for eternity? Think about the word send. The word send implies that the sender is deciding what happens to the people being sent. Now, we send letters, we send gifts, we send packages. In every case, no action is being taken by the letter, the gift, or the package. They are passive, and the sender is doing the sending. But it would be wrong to use the word send in the case of people being punished for something they chose to do. To say God sends people to hell puts a burden on God and takes responsibility for our actions off of us. But in fact, God gives freedom. Freedom to choose how we will live our lives, where we will spend eternity. People choose whether they will be in heaven with God for eternity Not God. God doesn't make that choice for them. We have a choice. John 3, 16 through 18 says this, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already. Because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only son. We must make a choice about Jesus if we want to be set free and forgiven of our sins. We stand condemned already. Will we choose the grace that God is offering us in Christ? God has already made his choice. 2 Peter 3.9 says the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. And we may not like the consequences God has put in place. We may not like that these are real choices with real consequences, eternal consequences. But then we are not God. God is God, and it's his world and he made the rules. God has given us free will and full personal responsibility for the way we choose to live and the consequences of that choice. Love is not love unless it can be chosen or rejected. So then, if God is love and wants everyone to be saved, why then will people still go to hell for eternity? Romans 1, 18-20 addresses that, and it lays kind of a foundation for the answer to this this question. It says there in Romans 1.18, "...the wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of people who suppress the truth by their wickedness, since what may be known about God is plain to them because God has made it plain to them. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities... His eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made, so that people are without excuse. Let me just make two brief points from this passage. First, that we humans might choose to actively suppress the truth. We can know the truth in our hearts and in our minds, but choose to suppress it. Our conscience may be telling us that something is wrong, But we do it anyway, because that's what we want to do. If we want, we can ignore the truth and choose to do whatever is wrong. That is our choice in free will. People have been given enough truth to know that God exists, and even that they should obey Him. But they can choose to suppress that truth and live in denial of God's sovereignty over us. Atheist Thomas Nagel has gone so far to say it isn't just that I don't believe in God and naturally hope that I'm right in my belief. It's that I hope there is no God. I don't want there to be a God. I don't want the universe to be like that. Nagel seems to know that he's suppressing the truth. There's something there that he's fighting against, and he pushes it back. The second point I want to make from Romans 1 is that God has made himself known to man so that men and women are without excuse. God has left abundant evidence in nature that he exists, that there is a creator behind the creation. Every people group on the planet has either chosen to worship God of some kind or, or they have fought tooth and nail to expunge the very notion of God from their society. There's, there's either a drawing towards God or there's somebody saying, no, we got need to get rid of God. <laughs> in either case, people know. They either acknowledge there is a God or they actively suppress the truth that is in their hearts. Michael Houdman said this, God judges each of us according to the truth he has given us. And Romans 1 states that we each have enough truth to turn toward God rather than away from God. Now, Jesus said that when he left the world, went back to heaven, that the Holy Spirit would come. He says, I will not leave you alone. I will send the Holy Spirit. And he said as part of the Holy Spirit's work and mission that the Holy Spirit would convict the world of sin and righteousness and judgment. This conviction part of the Holy Spirit's ministry is very, very important. God is speaking. God is working on every person, on every heart on this planet. He is trying to draw them back to himself. And Jesus was referring to the way Holy Spirit pursues people in need of God, in need of salvation. Hundreds of stories are coming out now about people far from God who are having dreams about Jesus when they've never really been told who He really is. I mean, they, they haven't heard a gospel sermon, but there's this man in their dreams, and they're trying to figure out who he is and why he's acting the way he's acting. And then maybe they see the Jesus film, or maybe a, a Christian, a believer, starts telling them about Jesus, and they say, that's who was in my dream, and I don't know all the different means that God is using to speak to hearts of people today, but I know that He is. Because His desire is that everyone would be saved, that all would come to the knowledge of the truth, that all would repent, turn back to God, and get their hearts right with Him. And men or women are, and women are without excuse when it comes to the decision God wants them to make about eternity. So where are we? God's justice demands that every sin must be punished. The consequences of our choices have eternal implications. We, that's the truth. That, that's just where it is. God's love demanded that God would find a way to make eternity with Him possible even after we had sinned and rebelled against Him. What well, we actually deserve is eternal punishment, but God has found a way to satisfy both His justice and His love. And through Jesus, God created a way for the price of sin to be paid and for the sinners He loves to be redeemed and set free. And that's you and me. That's every person on this planet. Jesus paid the price for our sin by going to the cross on our behalf. He suffered death. He suffered separation from God for all of us. And then He was raised to life again. We must believe that Jesus came to save us and choose to follow him if we want to be saved. If we refuse Jesus as our substitute, we must pay the price ourselves. And that price is eternal separation from God. Now, as Christians, as churches, we may try to soften this message, and we have. We try to make it more palatable We want everyone to believe in Jesus so we may downplay the whole heaven and hell thing. We may be quick to talk about the grace of God, but we may be slow to talk about the wrath of God for sin. But the truth is, if someone wants to end up in heaven rather than hell, the only way to do that is through Jesus Christ. Hell is a place of eternal punishment, and it exists. It will always exist. And we must tell people that it exists. Jesus did. Jesus issued a warning. Jesus sounded the alarm. Hell is real. And those who refuse to acknowledge God in their lifetimes will spend eternity in hell separated from God, just as they chose to be. In John 14, 6, Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Acts 4.12 says salvation is found in no one else for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Perhaps you've heard or seen Penn and Teller, a comedy teen who has performed in Las Vegas for years. Penn Gillette is an atheist, but he recorded a video journal a few years ago telling about a man who came to one of his performances and wanted to speak to him afterwards. Penn said that the man was obviously a successful businessman, very sane, sincere, and he looked him right in the eye. The man was very complimentary of the show, but then he did a strange thing. He pulled out a small Gideon New Testament and gave it. Penn. Inside the cover, he had written a personal note and left phone numbers and an email if Penn ever wanted to talk to him about the message of the New Testament. Penn said nobody had ever done that to him before. And on the video, he says this, if you believe that there's a heaven and a hell and people could be going to hell or not getting eternal life or whatever, and you think it's not really worth telling them this because it would make it socially awkward, and atheists who think people shouldn't proselytize say, just leave me alone, keep your religion to yourself. How much, he says, do you have to hate somebody to not proselytize them? How much do you have to hate someone to believe that everlasting life is possible and not tell him or her about it? I mean, if I believed, he said, without a shadow of a doubt, that a truck was coming at you and you didn't believe it and that truck was bearing down on you, there's a certain point where I would tackle you. And this is much more important than that. Are you hearing Penn Teller today? Are you hearing the conviction of the Holy Spirit in our lives that if we have this good news... We must share it. And friend, if you're listening today and the Holy Spirit is working on your heart to acknowledge that God exists and that heaven and hell are real, don't resist that message. Don't resist the urge in your heart to come to Jesus in faith, to put your trust in Jesus to save you. Turn to God before it's too late. Would you pray? Father, you have spoken emphatically, but our ears are dull and insensitive. You have spoken clearly about heaven and hell and the choice that must be made, but we put it off. We pretend that that's a decision for another day, but we never know if there will be another day. And I pray for anybody within the sound of my voice. At this moment... Or in the days to come through YouTube. That their hearts would be touched by your word. And by the conviction of the Holy Spirit on their life. And I pray that those of us who are Christians. Will realize that the time is short. That we might share this good news with the people around us. Who are condemned already. They don't have to do anything to go to hell. Except stay where they are. But through Jesus, we can all be saved. And through Jesus, we can find the new life that he promises us by his grace. Lord, help us to be convicted today. Help us to be urged, encouraged, admonished, motivated, driven to preach the good news as Jesus was. We pray this in his name. Amen.